always helped me uh, to be reminded. Uh, and that is, uh, the name of the sermon tonight is uh, Drinking from the Wells of Salvation. And uh, the text I'm going to read from is John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And, um, and my wife, uh, she has a great fear because uh, since the beginning uh, of my uh, salvation and before I ever even uh, gave my life back to Christ, I was a backslider when I met my wife. And I always had a heart um, for Africa. And my wife uh, has always had a fear of bugs. And she knows that there are a lot of big bugs in Africa. And so she always wonders... What day that's going to happen where, you know, we're going to come to a place where maybe one day I will be in Africa serving God. Now, I don't know much about that. To be honest with you, uh, I know that God has called me here and God has called me to a place to make a home for others. A home where they can be provided for. And that is... Uh, uh, Something that's important to understand in this message that I'm going to preach to you tonight. And that is that one of the most graphic uh, pictures that stands out in my mind when I think of Africa or areas of Africa. It has to do with the wells. It has to do with water. And it has to do generally with the poor quality or often the lack of water. Uh, I, As my wife can tell you, I can sit and watch uh, 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 films or uh, biographies or uh, what do you call them, nature uh, uh, shows on uh, Africa and on the uh, you know wild and on the monsoons that they go through and the, the measures that they go through. Uh, my mother uh, was always amazed at the, uh, the elephant and its ability to survive and provide for a, uh, a family. Uh, elephants are very, very uh, like humans in one particular way, and that is that they have a, uh, a leader, and that leader is the one that, that takes care and makes the tough decisions. And one of the things that they have to make a tough decision on every single year is when they will leave the watering hole and go to the next watering hole, the temporary watering hole, that will, uh, uh, they, this for, for them to deal with the drought or the lack of water. And I have seen images in cities and, and, and heard through traveling people um, uh, in Africa that gather water from ponds in which cattle are led to drink and where the village washed their clothes and even bathed. And them using reserve supplies of water uh, that were stored for drinking and cooking and minimal washing because of dry wells or extended power outages. Uh, even in, in, in modern Africa, having to 
queuing uh, for water. That means to get in a big line for a five-gallon jug of water that would be their supply of water for maybe one to three days. And the thing that's amazing about it is this nation, in that nation of Africa, they generally have a good water supply. And what I mean by that is, in general, they do not have a lack of water. It's just that it's not well taken care of. It's not well maintained. Because another image that I have, which was shared with me, is about uh, my friend who drives for UPS in Chino Valley. Ranching, farming area, where there's hot summer days, where dust is just billowing into the truck as he drives rural dirt roads and coming upon massive irrigation pumps that are surging with crystal clear, ice cold, perfect water that was drawn from the deep wells of the underground aquifers that are nearby. I can remember personally hiking in the Northeast as I grew up in the mountains in the springtime or the early summer and literally bending to drink from an icy cold stream that was produced by a snowmelt. I can remember being in areas where natural springs soda water that came out. And you could feel like you were one of those real fancy people, you know, with your finger up, drinking Perrier, Perrier water. And I want to tell you something. The reason I bring all these things up tonight and before I read from the Word of God is that besides the clarity and the coldness of, of, of of water that is just of a high quality and a high taste. The refreshment that you get from it cannot be imitated. Right now, as I drink from pretty good water, it is nothing compared to the feeling and the refreshing that comes from a Situation like I have described in the summertime, where fresh snow melts and unadulterated, perfectly filtered water full of minerals comes down a mountain and you put your hand in it and you put it to your lips. And that's what I want to talk about tonight because that is what Jesus promises us. When he talks about wells of salvation. John 7, verse 37. Let's read from the word of God. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Stay there as I add Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Let us pray tonight. Lord, I pray tonight that you pour out wells of salvation, that you pour out a refreshing from your indwelling spirit, Lord. That there's an impartation here tonight that not only refreshes us, but that leads us, guides us, and directs us, and gives us a plenty. So that out of our lives, out of our mouths, out of our speech, will come hope that will be like wells of salvation, wells of living water. And that we will feed this city, this nation, this world these last days while we wait for the latter rain. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. amen. I'm going to rely on you tonight to give me my amens, okay? So you get Pentecostal on me and you help me out. Because I want to tell you something. There is a great day of feasting and I know some of us you know, maybe you grew up in a household like mine where there's a reserved nature to it unless you're around my dad. My dad was the only Pentecostal guy in my family. He wasn't really Pentecostal, but he acted like it because he was a union worker from New York. And I'll tell you, they made great Pentecostal converts if they ever got saved. Because it's truly amazing to hear the excitement that can come from a last day feast. See, this is what Jesus was describing, and this is why he waited to this moment to preach on thirst. Because what he was saying was, we've been feasting here, but who here is still thirsty? You ever been to a big party and then realize, you know, you didn't eat enough?
statement. And I thought about a need for us all to understand that this is not religion. That this is not filled with the gross hypocrisy and idolatry that would, would be wed during the times of, of the Old Testament, the kings and many of the great prophets. They would cry out against this hypocrisy. This is not what we're talking about here tonight. Yes, we know that at that time there were Pharisees and scribes and this element of hypocrisy existed, yet it was never altogether. There was always a remnant. There was always a Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, or a Nicodemus who would come even though he was fearful by night. And this last day, Feast of Tabernacles, this was Jesus' last battle cry before he would be glorified. This was his last call to the Jews. Will you rejoice with me? Because my time of suffering is coming soon. Will you help me and dig the well and go to the well of water that I am going to provide for you? See, he was talking about a time of harvest. I can't tonight get into all the details of that. It's too complex. But it's littered through the Old Testament. What the meaning of these things are. And we can lose them. Just like we lose that first day of salvation, many of us. We don't remember what it felt like when we got up from the altar for the first time and we felt our sins cleansed. Some of you, I can look in your eyes tonight and I can remember the look in your face when the joy was just draping you. See, it's historic. time of celebration that the Jews were always looking for. And unfortunately for them, it would never last. But Jesus, this day, he is from some different vantage point because he stands there on this day, on this day, and he just boldly proclaims it. He stands before you tonight and he boldly proclaims it. These words, they live for eternity and they are alive tonight. They get me excited. Because I know Christmas is coming and I'm going to have to get, you know, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, you know, smooth. But tonight, I want to ask you, do you thirst? Because I want you to realize that if you will drink this living water, this Christmas holiday will feel like none other. It won't be about gifts. It won't be about a bunch of presents. It'll be about the fact that one day when we had no hope, God birthed hope. He brought it down here to us. 
think to yourself, there's still some lack, there's still some fault that could be pointed out. And it's causing a problem. And there's a greater reason for my discontent, for my dissatisfaction. And it's that I don't drink from the well of salvation. That's not where I'm drinking from. Unlike those poor African souls who are drinking from contaminated pots. I want to tell you something else with fear and trembling tonight. You'll never continue to successfully live in the kingdom of God unless you learn tonight or tomorrow or at least before Jesus returns.
prominent picture because what he's trying to do is he's trying to explain to her that it's not a surface thing. It goes all the way to the core of your being. It goes all the way to the core of your suffering. And you must know that. See, the levels of Abraham and Isaac, they were always prominent. Aside from the obvious purpose of having ownership and title deed, much of the land was arid, not habitable apart from the source of water. Seasonal rains, like good times, were not enough to supply for those who dwelled in the land. But we also see that these were places and parts of contention, weren't they? In the case of Abraham, the well at Beersheba, the Philistines were his adversary. They strived against him. They filled the wells that were dug. But God was with Abraham. He made a covenant with Abimelech. And he found those wells. Isaac, now taken to that same scene, the Philistines have stopped up the wells that his father's servants had dug. Isaac knew to dug, dig the wells of water again. The wells that his father had dug, he called them by name. By the names his father had given them. Genesis 26, Sidna. That's the name for strife or quarrel. Rehoboth. That's the place where God made room and commanded fruitfulness. And Jesus again is talking about a wellspring of life, of refreshing, of fruitfulness, of blessing, of enlargement. But we must avail ourselves to them. We must continue. We must contend. Sometimes I pick on my wife, you know. But it's because I know that we can cast off salvation. My wife will say something like, I don't want to do that and I will go I'm sorry but if it needs to be done if it's the thing that we must do then we must do it our relationship has grown so much because now I can say that to my children she knows that I'm not just picking on her Salvation. Jesus would say, 
embarrassment, we are sorry, but somehow in the midst of all our progress and improvement, we lost the spring. See, an individual's Christianity can be a problem because they lost the spring. Matthew 5, verse 6 says it this way, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. John 6, 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. It is true that we often do not know what it is for which we are hungering and thirsting. That is true. Yet this reality remains that there is no true satisfaction for any human soul except in the fellowship of God. Think about what I just said. Only in the fellowship of God can you have satisfaction. That is why that heathen sang the song, I can't get no satisfaction. Because he was chasing it his whole life. And he finally realized, oh, he had all the drugs, he had all the money, he had all the girls, he had all the fame. But the hole just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And even today, we had a talking stick arena when you want to go see him. Thirsting. Thirsting. Chasing. Until he finds Jesus, he has no hope. Too many of us lose that. This is where mediocre Christianity comes in. See, no one who's truly thirsty says, oh, I'll take anything. soda. They don't want an energy drink. They want water. True water. Living water. That will give them life. And they want to drink of it. Even if it's by the handful. They want to drink of it. And that is because just like in Revelation 22, verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. See, that's what salvation is. It's being shown that pure river of water. This is why when we get caught up in church, we can get in trouble. Right? Because churches are full of these annoying things called humans. And humans aren't the source. Jesus is the source. And it flows down from Him through men of God. And you must seek that. That which you knew not of until it was shown to you. Revelation 22, 17 will later say, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. 
satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones, you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Let us all be those people tonight that like every head bowed, that like every eye closed in this place. I just want to take a moment of time. <coughs> I want to take a small moment of time to ask you tonight. <laughs>